Ezekiel 48, verse 35. The second half of that verse reads, And the name of the city from that day shall be the Lord is there. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we love you. And Lord God, we come to you this morning as we discuss your presence in our lives, your presence in the body of Crossway. Lord God, I pray that you bless this time with your presence. Lord, I pray the Holy Spirit would fall upon this place this morning and that every person in here would feel the heaviness of the Holy Spirit. Convict us or convert us. It's in your most heavenly name I pray. Amen. So, a little background. Um, Ezekiel was an aspiring priest. And so what he's doing here is he, he prophesies about 14 years after the fall of Jerusalem. The temple uh, had been destroyed and God's presence had departed from the city. Uh, so the presence of God was also gone from the holy place in the temple and from the people of Israel because um, they had left God long before he left them. And, and so over time, uh, they lost their reverence for God. And, um, and so that kind of sounds like what we're experiencing in our very own country, in our very own society and culture. If you look at this world today, we've lost our reverence for God, have we not? So their worship became more of, of just form, like checking a box off, off a list every week, something they had to get through rather than heartfelt worship. So as a result, the, the quality and the quantity of their worship suffered. It diminished. So they started to look like the rest of the world around them. Sound familiar? Sounds just like what we're going through now. The world for them, just like today, the world for them became desirable instead of deniable. So as a captive in Babylon, Ezekiel was visited by God and God gave him a vision. And in that vision, uh, it was primarily, we see it in primarily chapters 1 through 10 of Ezekiel. But in that vision, God's, uh, Ezekiel describes, describes God's presence leaving his people. And when God's presence left his people, they were devastated. They were devastated because he left, he left the temple, he left the city, and he left their presence. And so to understand that, we've got to understand what it meant for them to be in the presence of God, what it meant for the city of Israel. Uh, they, they believed that God was supposed to be physically with them forever. That's what they believed. They, they, they were, and after they were delivered from Egypt, what did God do? He manifested himself in two pillars. It was a cloudy pillar by night or by day and a, and a fiery pillar by night. And later the tabernacle was built. God gave, God gave instructions to build the tabernacle. And when that, when that was built, he came down in all his glory, all his Shekinah glory. And um, uh, the, the, then something happened. The same thing happened with Solomon. The same exact thing happened with him in the temple. Um, the presence of God uh, dwelt between the two cherubim above the Ark of the Covenant, which uh, we all know was behind the thick curtain in the Holy of Holies, right? So imagine how shocked the people of Israel were when God's presence left the holy place. It just left. That's something they had always known. He had always been there. He had always been providing. He had always been leading and protecting them and sanctifying and sustaining them. And now, all of a sudden, it's gone. Just all of a sudden, gone. His departure was de devastating because it signified that, that judgment was coming. In, in chapters 11 through 13, 
he, Ezekiel describes that judgment. But then in chapters 34 to 48, he looks into the future, into the future to the day when God would restore and have revival. Uh, he would restore his people and he proclaims this message of revival. He, uh, he, God reveals to, to him that Jerusalem, what he said is Jerusalem would be rebuilt. It would be renamed. It would be rebuilt and renamed. It would be, it wouldn't be no longer, it wouldn't be called Jerusalem anymore. It would be called Jehovah Shema. The Lord is there. So the message that he gave was clear. The message God gave him was clear. God will abide with those who seek him honestly and obediently with all their hearts. So here's the question to ask yourself as we head into the message. Does God dwell with you? Have you experienced God's presence? Have you known his closeness? Ask yourself that question as we go along this morning and ask yourself that question multiple times. This name, Jehovah Shema, reveals that God wants us to know that he is with us. He wants us to experience him in a real, relational, personal way. Y'all remember when we went through uh, experiencing God, what did Henry Blackaby say? He said, knowing God doesn't come through a program, a study, or a method. Doesn't come through a sermon. Knowing God comes through a relationship with the person. That's an intimate love relationship with God. Through this relationship, God reveals himself, his purpose, his purposes, and his ways, and he invites you to join him where he's already at work. It's personal, right? My relationship with God can't do anything for you, right? Jehovah Shema does not want to be the God over there, but he wants to be the God who is here, who is here. He desires an authentic relationship with you. He wants to know, he wants you to know his presence, not, not just for a few minutes on a Sunday in a building somewhere, not just weekly, on a weekly basis. He wants you to know his presence every moment of every day, minute by minute, day by day, for all of eternity. So many people think religion is, is what God desires, but that's not what God desires. That's not what he wants at all. God wants your heart, not your mechanical, robotic obedience. It's a relationship of the deepest kind. That's what he desires. And a lot of times we want to keep God contained to a box or a specific day of the week rather than letting him loose in our lives every single day. Um, Christians, I mean, it's sad to say, but, but Christians are really good at having weekly religious experiences. We are, but we struggle to have daily encounters. The truth is, even, even when we're selfish, even when we are lazy in our relationship with him, God is still Jehovah Shema. He's still there. His desire is for us to know him, to feel him, to experience his presence on a moment-by-moment, day-by-day basis. And so he's done a lot. He's gone to great lengths to come near us. As Jehovah Shema, he's gone to great lengths. So we're going to talk about some of those first. In the person of Jesus, Jehovah Shema is with us. And that's your first point. In the person of Jesus, Jehovah Shema is with us. So um, given just how helpless and hopeless and wretched we are and the rest of the world was, God did the only thing he could do. God did the only thing, that he, the very thing he promised to do. He came to earth and dwelt among us. In Matthew 1, the angel told Joseph that the, that the child conceived in Mary was of the Holy Spirit and that fulfilled Isaiah's prophecy. 
Isaiah said, uh, or, or when he said, uh, behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Why did he come? To save us, to be with us, to redeem us, to take our sins away. Think about how amazing that had to be. I mean, honestly, think about it for a second. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem, Mary and Joseph could look down and say, God is here. God's with us. To be trusted, to hold God incarnate, to raise him, to change his diapers, to, 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 that blows my mind. I know I'd never be trusted with something like that. I, I'm barely trusted with the kids I do have. So I know God wouldn't trust me with his, his own son. But later in his life, uh, Jesus, he, as, when he called out the disciples, he, he walked with them, he taught them, and as he did that, they could say, God's here, God's with us. John wrote, uh, he said, And behold his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So in the person of Jesus, Jehovah Shammai is with us. Here's your second one. In the presence of Jesus, Jehovah Shammai is in us. In the presence of Jesus, Jehovah Shammah is in us. So God came to dwell among us, right? He came to dwell among us that he might be in us. Instead of God being back there or back there in the sound booth or back there in the foyer, God came to be God in here, in our hearts. That's where he came to be God. Jesus came to be received, right? We receive his presence when? When we believe. When we believe in him, that's when we receive his presence. Jesus, uh, John 1, uh, verses 11 to 13 says, He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So scripture is clear when it teaches us that when we believe Jesus takes up an actual residence in our heart. He actually takes up residence in our heart. Psalm 1611 says, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So at the moment we believe, the moment of salvation, we're, we, we are given, we gain and are given the privilege to enter into the presence of God. On the cross, what happened? The veil was torn. On the cross, the veil was torn. The veil that stood between the priest and the Holy of Holies was ripped from top to bottom, and it gave us access to God through the blood of Christ. And so as our risen high priest, Jesus became our new and living way, and it gives us immediate access to the presence of God like has never happened before. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 6 that our bodies are his temple. Our bodies become his temple, the place where the Holy Spirit resides, lives in us. And so that means wherever we go, as believers, wherever we go, we take him with us. He goes with us. Whatever we do, he does it with us. The Holy Spirit is present with us to comfort us and convict us. He comforts us and he convicts us. And he's, he's in us to lead us and to guide us and to direct us. But we have to acknowledge his voice because we can silence it. We can, we can shut him out. And a lot of times, it's bad to say, but most of the time, I think a lot of Christians do. So in the person of Jesus, Jehovah Shammai is with us. In the presence of Jesus, Jehovah Shammai is in us. Here's the third one. By the power of Jesus, 
Jehovah Shammah works through us. By the power of Jesus, Jehovah Shammah works through us. Now, we've talked about this a lot, so many times before, but Jesus didn't save us. God doesn't save us to get us from earth to heaven, right? right? When we die. We're saved for a purpose that has absolutely nothing to do with us. At the moment of salvation, life ceases to be about Jimmy. At the moment I was saved, or the moment Buffy was saved, life ceased to be about Buffy Cook. Life ceases to be about us. Jesus said in John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So as we learn to rely on Jesus' presence in us, we're empowered to live the Christian life. It's not about us. Not about us. God, uh, I mean, the work we do for Christ, well, the work we do, I don't want to say this. The work, the work we do, if it's not in the name of Christ, if it's not him working through us, it means absolutely nothing. Does that make sense? I can do, I can do anything I want in the name of Christ, and if it's not him guiding me and directing me to do it, I might as well not be doing it. So in the person of Jesus, Jehovah Shammah is with us. In the presence of Jesus, Jehovah Shammah is in us. The power of Jesus, Jehovah Shammah, works through us. Here's the fourth one. Jehovah Shammah has a place in the lives of the redeemed. Jehovah Shammah has a place in the lives of the redeemed. Who are the redeemed? Believers. Children of God. No matter where we go, what we do, God's there. Right? Can't get away from him. We share every experience of our life with him. He's everywhere. He's omnipresent. And so since he is present everywhere, when we talk about his presence, what we're really talking about is our actual realization or our becoming conscious of his presence. Oswald Chambers said this. He said, unless in the first unless in the first waking moment of the day, you lean, you learn to fling the door wide back and let God in. You will work on a wrong You will work on a wrong level all day. But swing the door wide open and pray to your father in secret and every public thing will be stamped with the presence of God. So many times that you would have been at a low point in your life and felt like God was a million miles away. Those times we, we look at, we think that they're roadblocks, right? We think when we're in the valley that it's a, it's a, it's a roadblock in our lives, but they actually can be open doors to the presence of God. It doesn't matter where we are. When we stop and we turn our focus to him, we call on his name, we're immediately filled with his presence. Comfort, peace, his strength. So practicing the presence of God means that that we make ourselves conscious of his presence and power. All right, We have to be conscious and aware of it to, to help us in every need and in every situation. So what are those situations? That's how I want to kind of wrap this up is discuss some of those situations. The first one, Jehovah Shammah is with us in temptation. Jehovah Shammah is with us in temptation. Proverbs 15, 3 says, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. So when you're, when you're tempted to sin... Do you, do you realize, do you imagine, do you visualize Jesus being with you and watching you, being involved with you? 
In 1 Corinthians 6, Paul says our bodies are, are for the Lord, not for fornication. He says when we practice any sin at all, we're involving Jesus. So in that critical, crucial moment of temptation, we've got to remember that our bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit. And that means that there's power available to, resi- to resist the sin and the temptation. But, but think about it, especially the young people in here. Kids and the youth, are, 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 there's so many things in your life that, that you can get caught up in. And, and pornography would be one of them. But think about this. When you go down that road and you go down that path and you watch the things that you're not supposed to watch, you're making Jesus watch it. If you're a believer, you're involving him in that very sin. That's not enough to make you turn around and run. So Jehovah Shammah is with us in temptation. He's with us. He gives you the power to resist the sin and the temptation. Here's the second one. Jehovah Shammah is with us in our need. Jehovah Shammah is with us in our need. Marty kind of talked about this a little bit in, uh, in Sunday school when I started to speak up, but I didn't. Yeah, I know. But uh, we may not have everything in life we desire, right? We all don't have everything in life that we want. But on the other hand, what is it that we desire? Think about it. I don't have everything in life I want, but what is it that I want? Psalm 21, David spoke of all the stuff God blessed him with, all the glory that was his because he was king. He mentioned all the things that were from his health to his crown. But in verse six, here's what he said. For you make him most blessed forever. You make him glad with the joy of your presence. You make him glad with the joy of your presence. So we we may not have everything in life, but if you're a child of God, you got the presence of the Lord and that's everything you need. Mm -hmm. And it should honestly be everything that you want. Hebrews 13, 5 says, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So you got him. God's in you. He dwells among you, within you. If you are a child of God, what more do you want? With God's presence comes the promise that he will meet our every need. So Jehovah Shammah is with us in temptation. He's with us in our need. Next, Jehovah Shammah is with us in loneliness. Jehovah Shammah is with us in loneliness. Y'all remember Hagar? She's the victim of um, Sarah and Abraham's little end-around game, right? Mm -hmm. Instead of waiting on God, they they decided for Abraham to conceive a child with with Hagar, who was their maid, their Egyptian maid. And uh, even though it was her idea, when Hagar got pregnant, Sarah got extremely jealous, right? The tension got so bad that Hagar ran away. She was alone. She was feeling unloved. She felt abandoned. And that is the very moment that God showed up in her life, made himself known to her in that very moment and showed her she wasn't alone. Showed her God showed God saw her pain. God saw her loneliness. And because he was with her, he was there as Jehovah Shammah. Today, we know that God's with us at all times, right? Not just in our loneliness, but in every situation. And the irony in that is that when we're alone, especially when we're alone, that actually magnifies the presence of God in our lives, is being alone with him. 
But Jehovah Shammah is, is with us in temptation. He's with us in our every need. He's with us in our loneliness. Here's the next one. Jehovah Shammah is with us in difficult service. Difficult service. You ever had to do something? You feel like God's called you to do something that you thought was impossible to do? When Moses was given the job of going to the most powerful leader in the world and demanding that he let his people go, God promised to be with him. God assured him that his presence would go with him. And, and it was the same story when he, when he led them out, the, uh, the Israelites out into the wilderness. But right in the middle, as he was out in the wilderness, right in the middle of it, and if his anxiety, he, he had all this fear, but right in the middle of it, God was there with him, just like he promised. Joshua, when he stood before Canaan, God promised that he was going to be there with him. When Jesus gave the Great Commission, what does it say? Matthew 28. What does it say? He gives us the job of going into the whole world, making disciples, teaching, baptizing. And he said, I am with you. I am with you as you do it. How many times do we feel so overwhelmed to do what God's called us to do? And I'll be transparent with you. Buffy knows and Cassie knows. I've had a rough last few months. I mean, it's come to the point where I've almost walked away. I have, and, and it's been extremely difficult for me. But what I did is I let the enemy get into my ear with his accusations. That's what I did. And, and, and look, he almost won. He really did. But I thank God that, that um, Satan's not the one in control. And I'm not the one in control either. He didn't, God didn't let me forget his presence. And look, even though I almost forgot his presence, he showed up in, in just the very moment I needed him. He showed up and he reminded me that he called me to his service. And because he, he's the one that called me, he was going to be there to hold me up, to give me the strength and the comfort and the peace that I needed. And that's exactly what he did at the exact moment that I needed him. So Jehovah Shammai is with us in temptation, in our every need, in our loneliness. He's with us in difficult service. He's also with us in danger. Jehovah Shammai is with us in danger. When we read the New Testament, well, I mean the whole Bible, but when you, you, you see some the disciples in the New Testament go through some pretty dangerous <laughs> situations. Paul went through some pretty difficult situations as he traveled the world. 2 Corinthians 11, he gives an account of all the things that he went through and all the things that he suffered for the sake of Christ. But never once in that account does he say or suggest that God wasn't with him. 2 Timothy 4, he gave a testimony of a pretty difficult moment. Verses 16 and 17, he says, At my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. There is absolutely nothing to fear for the child of God. Jehovah Shammai doesn't shy away from difficult situations. God's with you. He's with you everywhere, on the airplane, in the airport. He's with you on the surgery table, in the recovery room, in the jungles of Africa. He's with you everywhere. In every moment, in every situation, he's there. And at some point, all of us are going to face some difficult situations. And those times, we, I think we need to remember, we need to stamp this on our hearts. But God's promise in Isaiah 41.10, we need to stamp this in our minds and our hearts. Y'all write that down. Isaiah 41.10, 
Y'all learn that and burn that into your minds. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So he's with us in temptation. He's with us in our every need. He's with us in our loneliness, our difficult service. He's with us in danger. And here's the last one. Jehovah Shammai is with us in our sickness and in death. Jehovah Shammai is with us in our sickness and in death. Psalm 46 one says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. God's always quick to respond when we when we cry out from our lowest point. Wonder why? Why does he why does he sometimes wait till we get to our lowest point before he responds? It's because he's a God of compassion and comfort. When we're facing sickness and death, that's when we're most likely to turn to him. As bad as it is to say, when we're when we're at our lowest point, where we're facing sickness and death, that's when we're most likely to turn to him with our whole heart, and he becomes our only focus and hope. And you know what? He's there. He's there. Stephen knew that firsthand. In Acts 6, as he was being stoned to death for his faith, he looked up and he saw Jesus at the right hand of God waiting to receive him. Jehovah Shema was there. So God promised his presence no matter what. God's with you, right? If you're his child, he's with you. But are you with God? He's with you, but are you with God? Have you received Christ? into your life? Have you received him? Are you living, if you, if you have received him, are you living with an awareness of his presence? Are you living every day with an awareness of his presence? Just like Stephen, when we practice the presence of God, it'll change you and it will impact everybody around you. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, we love you. This morning. And God, I pray that that every person in this room would walk out these doors today begging for your presence to fall upon them every single minute, every second. Lord, I pray that that as we walk through this life, there, there would people wouldn't have to guess or ask us if we're Christians. Because your presence would be so strong among, uh, upon us that they would absolutely have to see it. Lord, we love you. And I ask you now, Lord, that if there be any here that do not know your son, Jesus, I ask you now to convict their hearts. Take the blinders off their eyes and let them see who they are. And let them see exactly who you are. We love you. We honor you. We give you all the glory. In the holy name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So what's it, what's it like? Can anybody answer the question? What's it like to walk in the presence of God? Have you ever experienced, really, truly experienced the presence of God in your life? What is it like? What is that experience like? I tell you, if you haven't experienced the presence of God in your life, those in here that have experienced it can tell you you're missing out. There's a lot of different lives to live, but the Christian life is the best life. 
There's a lot of different things that you can do, a lot of different things that you can consume your time with. But consuming your time with the Word of God and the Son of God is the most powerful thing you can consume your time with. If you don't know Christ, if you don't know who you are, go back to Genesis 1. It'll tell you exactly who you are and just start reading. Tell you exactly who God is. He's creator. He created everything and he created it perfectly. (coughs) There was no flaw in God's plan. There was no flaw in God's creation. He created it perfectly. And we're the ones that messed it all up. We're the ones that brought it all down. We screwed it up when he left it in our hands. I hear a lot of people say that, that, that oh, I wish I would have been there. I would have, I would have, uh, I'd have done things differently than Adam. The only different thing we would have done than Adam was we'd have done it a lot sooner than he done it. We would have fallen a whole lot quicker. But he did fall. He fell. He did exactly what God told him not to do, was, which was eat of the fruit in the tree in the middle of the garden. He ate of it. And when he sinned and disobeyed God, that brought curse to all of humanity. Every one of us is cursed. Everyone from then on was cursed. We're all born with a fallen, sinful nature. We can't help but sin because that's how we're born. It's in, our, it's in our blood. It's in our nature. That's all we do. It's all we want to do. We love it until Jesus comes into our life. Until Jesus, God, God, God sent a Savior. He knew that there would never be a way, uh, any way that we could ever be reconciled to him, any way that we could ever dwell with him or be in his presence. The only way to do that is for him to send his son to be a sacrifice. And that's exactly what happened. Jesus came, he walked, he lived, lived the life that we couldn't live, the perfect sinless life. Never sinning one time, went to the cross as the perfect sacrifice. Was hung on the cross, was buried, was raised up the third day. And because of that, now we stand here able to be in the presence of God. Jesus took on our punishment so that we may have the presence of God that was due him. So we may have the the reward that was due to him. If you've never experienced the presence of God now during this invitation, don't, don't walk out these doors today and not come down and not, let's not have a conversation about your salvation. Let's let's have a conversation about it today. As Mr. David plays, as we all stand, if you want to talk about, um, Baptism, if you want to talk about church membership, but let's take the time today to discuss it as Mr. David plays.